0: QUT acknowledges the Turrbal and Yugara as the First Nations owners of the lands where QUT now stands. We pay respects to their Elders, Laws, Customs and Creation Spirits. We recognise that these lands have always been places of teaching, research and learning. QUT acknowledges the important role Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people play within the QUT community. And here at How To Academia, we also acknowledge that these lands have never been
1: ceded. Welcome to How To Academia. Leaving high school and joining the world of uni can be a weird and difficult time. On this podcast, we talk to our friends, students and academics to find out how they went about the process of developing professional skills, dealing with challenges and generally navigating the gooey mess of being a human in the academic world. Our guest this episode is Lucia Brasidova. Lucia is a PhD candidate in the Department of Geography at Palatsky University in the Czech Republic. Her work asks critical questions about the way humans feel in urban spaces. What makes us feel safe or unsafe? What is it about particular spaces that people find pleasant or not? And how might we use this information for policy? On this episode, Jodie and Lucia discuss these questions in her field, as well as the PhD life in Czech, Lucia's experiences visiting the School of Justice for her internship at QUT, and what it's like to study abroad. Without any further ado... Lucia.
0: Welcome to How To
2: Academia. Who are you? Hello, my name is Lucia and I am a PhD candidate at the Department of Geography at the Faculty of Science from Palatsky University in Czech Republic.
0: I'm so interested in what the heck a geographer is doing
2: in the School of Justice <laughs> so I'm doing an internship here I'm a visiting student at the School of Justice here in Brisbane and I'm doing an extension of my d- dissertation research right now and we are doing a case study um, which is a part of my dissertation and we will collect some, some hopefully very interesting data in Brisbane using a mobile application for mapping citizens' emotion
0: Okay, so many questions linked to this. Tell me, what is your thesis actually trying to understand?
2: Hmm. I'm focusing on mapping perception of urban space, so how people, how inhabitants of cities perceive their cities, their cities where they live and which places they consider to be pleasant, unpleasant or even dangerous, or places they consider to be abandoned with some development potential. And I'm using all of this information and knowledge for city planners, for policymakers and for cities, so they can develop in order with citizens um, ideas or opinions and in with the best possible needs or aims of, of participants, my participants, who are citizens of cities.
0: Is the idea that if we understand how people see space as safe or not safe as, I guess, positive or negative or, I read one of your articles, as topophilic or topophobic? Yes, correct. uh, Topophilic being positive perceptions of space and topophobic being negative perceptions of space. Yeah. And the beautiful term that you coined, which was topoambivalent,
2: Yes, exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> nailing it! I am an interdisciplinary scholar. Um, is the idea being that if we understand these citizens' perceptions, we'll be able to make cities safer?
2: Mm-hmm. I hope so, <laughs> that would be the best case scenario, but we have to think about the fact that perception is very subjective. So one place that is like pleasant for somebody, let's say some very nice place in botanical garden you like, uh, and it is a topophilic place for you, uh, the same place might be topophobic, so unpleasant for somebody else, because the other person has some negative experience on this uh, location. So it's not so easy. We can't say generally that we will make cities mm, safe and pleasant, but uh, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find out whether there are some ways how to make even unpleasant places more safer and more pleasant. So one of the
0: things I picked up when I read one of your previous articles was perceptions of space were sometimes linked to perceptions about certain races that occupy that space
2: Mm -hmm. is this common across the world do you think I believe it is, my paper and the article you read was from Central Europe, from the Czech Republic, so it is quite specific mm, in this location, in Central Europe, but I believe that it is quite similar across the world, and that's why I'm doing research also here in Brisbane, I'm trying to reveal whether a similar pattern mm, will be also here, or, or not, we will see. Yeah, okay, why Brisbane? It's a very good question. It's kind of coincidence, to be honest. And to explain uh, the background of me being here in Brisbane, I should mention that I spent uh, almost one year in Manchester uh, doing a research internship uh, at the University of Manchester. And I collaborated with amazing uh, Rekha Solimozzi and Johnny Hack. Uh, So thanks to these people, I I started to be interested more in in criminology and justice. And uh, then I got opportunity to spend a few more months doing another internship. So I contacted Rekha and I knew that she knows people here in Brisbane. So she just forwarded email with me to another person here in uh, at the School of Justice. And this is how I decided or decided I tried to ask for opportunity here in Brisbane and it was uh, successful. That's awesome.
0: What? makes you so interested in studying in all of these different places?
2: Mm, probably these experiences, this experience is, is something very different because PhD and the uh, university system in Czech Republic is very different from other countries, other cities and other universities and I know how much I appreciate the experience from the Manchester, from Manchester University and uh, when I um, got this opportunity to spend a few more months somewhere else I knew that I want to squeeze the opportunity because yeah. uh, it is just so significantly, inf- significant and important for PhD to see how mm, other academics to research somewhere else, what are mm, methods, what are uh, the systems uh, and other the other departments. And uh, I am planning to continue in academia after finishing my degree. So more places, more departments and more people in academia I know, mm, it's better and better. What do you
0: think the big differences are that you've noticed I- in, a guess, how universities work or how things happen in the Czech Republic as opposed to the UK or Australia? God bless us, we're different to everyone, I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the mm, biggest differences for me as a PhD student is probably what are my duties as a PhD student, so back in Czech Republic I am not only a PhD student, but I uh, have to also teach every semester, I have to participate on different activities at the department, uh, and PhD students in Czech Republic are very busy, I can say. Uh, But mm, PhDs in uh, in the UK or here in Australia, uh, they have one main duty and it's dissertation research and dissertation thesis. So they, they, they can teach if they want to, if I understand it correctly, but they don't have to. They don't have to do so many other uh, things and this is the main the main difference. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. Do they pay you a full time salary to do that? No, no. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm shocked and outraged <laughs> So that's a huge difference.
2: What got you interested in space? My interest in space, in perception of urban space, started when I was deciding about my master's thesis topic, and I started, started to work, or yeah, this was my first first job in the field of geography. I started to work as a geoinformatic uh, in one municipality in the Republic. And I collaborated with these municipalities while I was thinking how could I hopefully li- link my master's thesis with my current job. And then we found one topic which was about mapping perception of space in that yeah. city for strategic planning or new strategic document of that city. Uh, so this is how I chose my master's thesis and I started to be more and more interested in the topic because I realized how a huge and how important it is to understand people's perception of city because their knowledge is something you can't find anywhere because these people are living in the cities for ages. They know every corner, every street. Mm-hmm. They understand what um, is different after dark, why this place might be dangerous and what's going on in another street. So I understood how important are their, their um, information. And when I started with master's thesis and I'm st- I started to do this research, I wanted to continue because I, I observed another topics, so like mm, the ambivalent places and, and in many other fields in behavioral geography.
0: And how does, I guess, I mean, you talked about doing this through an app. How does technology help with this, I guess, as part of a methodology?
2: Mm, yeah, it is. Because when we talk about perception, there are two mm, directions or two different sources of data. First of all, there are primary stimuli. So everything what you hear, what you, uh, I don't know, smell, what you touch, what you see in your environment, did this build your perception? But there is also second source of data, and it is everything what you read or watch on social media, what your friends tell you about different places and so on. And these both sources of data co-create your final perception of space but what I'm trying to do is that I'm trying to focus more on real-time perception and that's why we need mobile application because if we want to map mm, real-time perception at real place we need to record this real-time perception somehow. And mobile application is a really great tool how to do this because people uh, take their phones everywhere. And what I did in my research is that I just asked participants to, to live their everyday life and just to record their emotions about different places during the day.
0: So I'm interested in that on a couple of levels. One, if people are just living their everyday life, are they not actively avoiding spaces that make them feel uncomfortable and that skews your data?
2: Mm, Sometimes they do and that's why i ask them to participate in uh, the first part of the study at the beginning and the first part is about retrospective perception so this study or this first part was about spraying on um, online map different places where they feel again pleasant or unpleasant and they use their retrospective retrospective perception so their knowledge and they sprayed on even places they are avoiding for example the So, when I use both of these sources or this information, then I can evaluate also places that they would normally not attend with the application. What's your.
0: I'm thinking that social class and where you've spent your childhood would have a big impact on how comfortable you are in spaces. Mm -hmm. So, someone like myself who is a white middle class woman would not necessarily feel super comfortable in low socioeconomic environments because of perceptions, but people from those areas would feel differently? Does that come out in mobile apps and the data that
2: you're getting, I guess? Oh, that's a very interesting point of view, actually. This is not a part of my study, or I, I don't have questions which would mm, be about about this part of of our background but you are definitely right because for example when I think about me personally I know that I don't have problems in public space I'm not scared of I don't know running after dark or do um, similar things and I believe that it is strongly influenced by my background by the fact that I was uh, that I grew up in a very small village uh, and I am used to, mm, you know, to be outside, to be outside alone, or even after dark, because it was normal for me as a child, and that's probably why I don't avoid these places as an adult. So, yeah, that would be very interesting research.
0: I also wonder how much of an impact climate has on that, because I think, I mean, in Australia, we don't have the super, super cold Mm. kind of environments, and the, like... Very, very long, long dark days. Mm-hmm. that Europe yeah. and those the, those regions of the world have, and so I think in many parts of the northern hemisphere, you can't be scared to go out at dark, or otherwise you'd spend like four hours outside <laughs> in a day. And I wonder how much v- of an impact that would have on people's perceptions.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. That is definitely another very very important aspect.
0: Yeah, do you run after dark in the middle of winter in the Czech Republic?
2: Sometimes, yes, because you don't have other option when you, you <laughs> know, you finished in work, it's 4 p.m. and it's already dark and you still want to go for a run. You don't have any other option. How
0: do you deal with the cold?
2: You run. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a ridiculously complete. That's a question that completely demonstrates the fact that I've spent my entire life in like Australia and.
2: But uh, yeah, sometimes it's too cold for run, or it's dangerous because of snow or ice.
0: I think it's hilarious that it's dangerous because of snow or ice, whereas <laughs> everybody else I talk to is dangerous because of marauding men more <laughs> often. Yeah, that's a really interesting difference in perception. Are there limitations of using
2: mobile apps? Yeah, there are. Uh, there are many limitations. I still consider my research to be a pilot study because we develop, in collaboration with Manchester, just a new application. And I know that there are some drawbacks. The main disadvantage maybe is that the majority of our participants are young adults. So it is generally more difficult to recruit people who are older because they are not so familiar with using mobile application, especially not in Czech Republic. And also this type of application, mobile application, is accessible only for Android devices so far. Right. So this different differently influence our sample size.
0: So you're totally not getting the hip hips with the
2: <laughs> Apple
0: phones. What's it like working interdisciplinary? Because I mean, you're a geographer working with criminologists. Like, yeah. What have you noticed that's different?
2: <laughs> mm, what's different? Well. Um, What's the main difference is probably that I'm used to mm, create maps. This is what is very typical for geographers. I I try to map everything, and criminologists, they are not used to use maps so often. Yeah, there definitely is some kind of imposter syndrome, (laughs) because I am the only geographer in criminology department, and it was weird at at the beginning, because topics or fields uh, people here or in Manchester are interested in are, are different from my topic, but After some time I realized that it has many advantages because we have different point of view on these research problems. I am thinking more in like more broad context and criminologists are focusing on um, fear of crime or, or different aspects of environment that cause perception or negative perception, which is amazing. And for me it was very very beneficial to listen to their um, presentations, to, re- to read their papers and to understand the, their point of view. What skills did
0: you have to develop to work a- across disciplines?
2: I am mm, I still am developing skills. I'm trying uh, to understand different point, points of view. I'm trying to uh, learn how to use R, for example, because as a geographer, I'm used to work in um, ArcGIS. And it's a great software, but I realized how important it is to uh, learn or to work in R or other statistical softwares. So this is one of them. And um, just... Trying to be open-minded, I think it's very important when you work with people from different fields, trying to understand what they mean, what they are doing in their research and how you could collaborate, how you could use um, different points of view to make a stronger collaboration, to understand the research problem much better than if you collaborate just with geographers.
0: Yeah, I imagine that geographers trying to understand fear of crime is going to be about as great as criminologists trying to understand maps. Mm, Yeah. Is statistics a normal part of a geography
2: training? It is, uh, yeah. As an undergraduate student, you have to have, like, some courses on statistics but it really depends on your bachelor and master thesis topic so if you decide to do something which is statistically related then you should learn more Uh, but it's not a part of the program so so much as here maybe so I do have some basics but because I focused more on working with maps and working in ArcGIS I um, didn't continue um, in statistical direction uh, so much in the past.
0: Why did you choose to study geography?
2: Hmm. I think that the decision to study geography was done mm, during my high school because I really liked geography and I wanted to continue but I mm, didn't know how on earth could I do something professionally with geography. So I started to observe my opportunities, and after a few months, I realized that there is one really good university where I could study geography. Mm, The thing was that it wasn't in Slovakia, because I was born in Slovakia, and I grew up in Slovakia, uh, but this university was in Czech Republic. Fortunately, our languages are very similar, as we were one country in the past, and I decided to do it. I decided to send my applications and everything, and long story short, it was successful, and I started to study geography in 2014.
0: So did you choose to study geography because you had a, I guess, a particular career in mind? Something that you would be doing?
2: Mm. Yeah, I knew that I liked geography, but what I knew as well was that I love school, that I love like educational system and, and uh, all of this. I didn't know about academia so much, but I knew that I love school, that I want to continue. And when I started my undergraduate, I started it with idea that I would love to continue for a PhD one day which was very unusual because you know students in their undergraduate they mostly don't know what PhD or postgraduate mean so i started my undergraduate and i was enjoying university i i was enjoying enjoying it more and more i continued with the same direction on my master degree and then i knew that i definitely want to continue for PhD degree so i applied again and it was successful So I don't think that geography uh, was mm, the main reason I continued this direction, but I just knew that I really am enjoying academic environment for some reason, and that I want to do this one day.
0: Yeah, I I mean, that's interesting. My big question there is, what makes you want to be an academic?
2: I have no idea. (laughs) I was quite an unusual kid. Uh, when I was in primary school, for example, every summer, you know, when you have summer holiday, two, it is two months holiday in Slovakia. So every summer I would count how many days are remaining by the end, beginning of the new scu- school year. And I just couldn't wait to start again and to go to school. So, yeah, I, this is probably the reason why I became academic. Look, here at
0: How Academia, we love a nerd. <laughs> who just, like, wants to know things yeah. because learning is incredible for the mind, body and soul. Yeah, cool. So is it normal, I guess, to go through an undergraduate master's and then a PhD as your progression?
2: Yeah, it's the only way in our countries. You have to do undergraduate, then master, and then you can apply for a PhD. You can't go from undergraduate directly to PhD. Okay.
0: Uh, I mean it's similar here and, but sometimes we s- have programs that have honours degrees where you can mm-hmm. s- kind of skip your masters and do a one year project uh. instead so what do you think your like biggest professional challenge is mm. in learning to become the fabulous academic that you are and going to be more and more
2: <laughs> probably time management I think this is something I've been struggling with uh, I've been trying to solve how to manage and manage my time wisely because there was a period, period in first and second year of my PhD when I was working 16-17 hours and per day or right, I would spend 17 hours in my office which was everything but not sustainable. And I had to learn how to manage my time more wisely, how to enjoy my life (laughs) and how to spend some time uh, doing things I like, doing some sports and other hobbies. So time management is a huge question for not only for me, but for all PhD students, because doing PhD is... I was was, mm, talking to Dr. Helen Kara, She's amazing academics, And she told something that is really true that doing PhD is like wearing really heavy backpack. You can't mm, take off. You are taking or wearing the backpack everywhere. It's with you on weekends, on um, public holidays, on your vacation. It's everywhere. So you just have to learn how to live with this backpack and how to um, appreciate yourself um, in the same way as you appreciate people who do some different job because being a phd student is a job so this is what something i had to learn how to cope with this
0: i kind of feel like that's all of academia like all of academia Mm. is like the the phd is training in how to wear the backpack because my certainly my experience of academics is everybody struggles with how do you actually take the time out from these yeah big problems that you're trying to solve that kind of go with you mm. everywhere and I like I imagine that when you're out and about in space like in the world it's only natural to think about your research because that's is your research. It is yeah right? and
2: especially in geography because geography is everything around us so everywhere you go you think about different things but they are all related to your research or at least to my research so if I go for a concert and I see people having a great time I'm thinking about how or what is their perception and whether they feel good or not whether there will be some cases of I don't know of or events that will influence their perception so yeah I'm just thinking about my work all the time. (laughs)
0: Everywhere all of the time. What helped you learn to
2: carve out that time for yourself? Mm, My hobbies. So when I go for a run or I love baking, so when I spend some time doing something different. For example, baking is an amazing way how to how to have a rest because academia is amazing but you know you can spend hours days or even weeks doing something and you can't see the result but when you go to, the, to your kitchen and you bake something and you mix few ingredients one hour later you have delicious cake so <laughs> i really like baking because you can see the results immediately so probably activities like this
0: I mean, that's hilarious because that's one of the reasons why I love doing washing. (laughs) Like, I love washing clothes because when you hang them all out on the line, you, like, see that you've achieved something.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Something visible.
0: Something visible that has that sense of immediate gratification to it. So what would be your top tips for students studying at university?
2: Hmm. Generally, for all all students. For
0: all students. Hit me with it. What do you think makes university awesome for students?
2: Mm, I would say just go for it and use every opportunity you get because you will never regret it. It doesn't matter whether it's mm, some... I don't know some new collaboration or some some internship or some just studying program new studying program doesn't matter just definitely go for it No don't be scared and I'm sure that you will find people who can help you they will, you will find people who who did go through the same experience in the past and they they will help you just do everything you can and squeeze the opportunities university provides because mm, it will move you forward like nothing nothing else and if you do have some problems and if you are struggling with something, just ask for help, don't be ashamed to, to ask for help
0: I love that, if everyone could just take away like, if you're struggling, it's okay just ask for help Yeah. has it been difficult for you to organize studying internationally?
2: hmm it wasn't so difficult i mean yeah at the beginning mm, when you don't know how to apply and there are many documents of course it's very messy and you have to ask somebody what should i do but then you just follow some rules and again there were people who did it before so there is always somebody you can ask for advice so probably the most difficult part was when I went for my first internship and I went alone and I didn't know anybody in the city and I moved in to completely different country. Yeah, that was difficult at the beginning. But these are the moments that are like the most beneficial in your life because they completely change your personality and, they, and then they contribute to, to to just creating the person you are. How do you orientate yourself in a new city? <laughs> um, with maps, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I'm very pragmatic. What a shock! <laughs> I'm very pragmatic person. Uh, so at the beginning, you know, you come to new city and you you come, for example, to university or you come to your apartment, to house. So at the beginning, you know, one or two places. And then when you start to move around, you start noticing different parts of the city, different buildings, uh, maybe sometimes some um, natural sites like river or park. And it's really interesting to observe how our mind works. And I'm here in Brisbane two weeks right now. And I already know so many places. It's just ridiculous that two weeks ago, I was confused. I knew where is airport. I knew where is my house and where is Kelvin Grove. I didn't know anything else. But now when I will leave this building today, I know where I go. I know where is my bus. I know where is the shop. And yeah, it's just amazing how our mind works
0: I do think that's incredible I also think that's maybe like people with a particular mind to be able to do that because it takes me (laughs) my brain does not register those (laughs) things at all do you have a favorite theorist or theory or body of work
2: that you love Hmm, that's a hard question In professional way, I was definitely influenced by by Yu Fu a geographer, behavioral geographer, who started with the topics of topophilia and topophobia. So this is probably the strongest influence in my professional career or professional path. Um, Yeah, it's really hard to answer. You know, it's a
0: difficult question when you started working with criminologists and getting exposed to a completely different body of work. What surprised you the most about criminology?
2: Mm, The fact that surprised me the most is how closely is geography related to criminology, actually.
0: Yeah, that is surprising. I never would have thought that. Tell me more.
2: It is, it is, because crime events, they are happening somewhere, somewhere in space and before i went to criminology and i did did my internship in criminology i didn't think about it like this i you know i was thinking okay criminology That's what I see in movies or series. And I had very, very wrong idea about what criminology means. But now I know and I understand how many different fields there are. And um, for example, I'm interested in uh, mapping fear of crime, which is one part of criminology. And this is probably the most surprising fact that I am uh, not so far away from my field, from field of behavioral geography to this part of criminology. And now I have some kind of hope that maybe in future I could be more related with these topics and it is not so mm, unreal to link different fields and to collaborate with people from different fields not only criminology but maybe even psychology sociology anthropology and so on
0: I mean this is my take on criminology it's kind of like this discipline that took all of these other little disciplines like sociology and psychology and gathered them all together. So I don't understand why we can't add geography into the fold. (laughs) I think you're welcome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much.
0: Um, I'm so excited to have you in the School of Justice and I'm so excited that you have joined us today on How to Academia. I just, like, I love that notion of finding surprising collaborations and being able to work interdisciplinary. I think it is such an important step in where we're going in academia Mm. and thanks for being here
2: thank you for having me
0: you are so welcome
1: this podcast was hosted and produced by the excellent associate professor jody deeth editing by kelsey adams that's me music by poddington bear And this podcast was developed with support from the Queensland University of Technology. Thank you for listening.